went to a summer camp in Wisconsin for a few years. The following stories take place on this one stretch of gravel road that led from the main lodge to the senior camper cabins, which were well away from the rest of the camp. We called it the villa, since it was so isolated and because the road to get there was called Villa Road. At night, it would get pitch dark. If the moon wasn't out, it was almost impossible to see ahead. The most terrifying common experience among the older campers was just walking down the road alone at night. The least scary but still very frightening thing to see on that road was two yellow eyes looking at you through the bushes. But that was just the maintenance guy's cat. After that is when it got into the paranormal. You could feel a presence there whenever you were on the path. I was walking down the road alone one night, completely on edge for obvious reasons. The wind rustling the trees played tricks on my ears and all I wanted was to get back to the cabin. I was about halfway there when I felt a hand brush the back of my neck. I bolted the rest of the way to the cabin. Out of the corner of my eye, I thought I saw a pale figure, but there was no way I was stopping to check or look back. I get to the cabin and I'm white as a sheet. I got nothing but sympathy and space from my cabin mates. They knew that road was nothing but bad juju after dark. Another time, I was staying in the cabin closest to the road. It was well after midnight and for some reason I couldn't fall asleep. Neither could my friend Dean, who was in the bed next to mine. We kept hearing this scraping sound from outside, like someone with a bad limp was trudging along the gravel path. No one in the senior village, let alone the camp, had a limp like that, and the pace was too steady to chalk it up to the wind. The fact that both of us heard it confirmed that we weren't paranoid or just imagining things. Either way, we were both scared, even though whatever was making the noise wasn't getting any closer. It sounded more like it was pacing back and forth near the cabin. At this point, I figured it could either be a ghost or just someone messing around. I decided to be stupid. I mean, brave. I grabbed my flashlight and my pocket knife because that'll stop a ghost. I built up some courage and burst out the cabin door while Dean made sure it wouldn't slam shut and wake everyone. I ran onto the path that leads down to the main road and walked over to where the sound was coming from, light and knife drawn. But there was nothing. I looked around, nothing, no one was there. My eyes deceived me, but my ears did not. The scraping sound was louder than before and felt like it was all around me. As a chill ran down my spine, I felt equal parts terrified and irritated. Suddenly, the noise was overwritten by incomprehensible chatter. It was the senior village counselors on their way back from a staff meeting. Obviously, they asked what I was doing out of bed carrying a knife. I told them what Dean and I heard and what had happened. In an understanding way, one of my counselors said that whatever it was, it couldn't hurt me, and that gave me some comfort. He then walked with me back to the cabin. When I got back in, Dean asked what was out there. I told him I didn't know, and the counselor told him not to worry about it. But that wasn't the last time we heard the ghost on the gravel path. Ooh. I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm a very spooked out Michael Tatum. And this is Ghoul Intentions. Today's episode is called Miles to Go Before I Sleep. 
which is a quote from the American poet Robert Frost from his poem Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. And the choice of title comes from a couple of things with regards to today's stories. One is most of these stories involve ghosts or hauntings that don't necessarily seem to be connected to the people uh, whom these stories revolve around, uh, but that, you know, the, the storytellers happened into a much larger story in some way, like this ghost was on a mission of which uh, the storyteller, in this case, Matthew Voss, was the submitter of the yes, first story. Yes, thank you, Matthew, thank for you, that story. Matthew. It was great. Uh, the TLDR of what Michael just said is, it ain't personal. <laughs> not not to not to the person uh, to whom the story happened necessarily like the, the ghost is on some the, kind the of experience mission e the experience the experience the experiencer yeah yeah from that we're getting to see the ghosts um the hauntings from the perspective of you know we're just seeing a kind of tiny kind of cross section of a much larger story right uh that that as far as we know have been going on for centuries so all that and and a lot of these stories as it turns out take place on out in the country or out in outdoors. nature outdoors on roads paths things like that yeah you know? there's a lesson there there's a lesson there don't go on roads or paths or outdoors <laughs> or as or as robert frost might say you know maybe the path not taken are you a, are you a poem or a poem? You said poem, right? I said poem. I might have said poem or poem. You, what's your opinion on poem versus po- poem versus poem? Poem, poem sounds like a kind of flower. I think I'm going to go with poem. Poem. I, that's what I try to say. Poem. You, you're saying poem. 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 Where's the poem. e? Where's the e, Jamie? Poem. Where's it's poem. I mean, you could be like, poem. <laughs> I like that. I feel like that's a Michael. A poem. This is a but Robert Frost poem. Poem. Yeah, that's how you're saying it from I now said, on. Okay, I've said, poem. I've poem. stated and it. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to read every author's name, like like Alan Rickman. That's perfect. That story came to us from a Matthew <gasps> Voss. If we're lucky, maybe he'll haunt you. Alan Rickman? Yeah. Oh. Look, I'm not bringing down the room. This is an exciting opportunity for both of us. <laughs> I would so take acting lessons from <laughs> from the ghost of Alan Rickman. <laughs> yes! I wonder how much he charges. Anyway, if you Anyway, so we swear there's a theme to today's yeah, show. The theme, if you want to check out more about the theme and uh, the I'll, poem that Robert Frost wrote that, yeah. that Michael's talking about. I'll write please, some bullshit about it on the blog. Right. It'll be very entertaining. The blog, <laughs> you can find it at ghoulintentions.com. And uh, and so that leads us to this show. What do what do you think about this particular story? I think Matthew's story is really creepy. I think mm-hmm. uh, I've done. You know, I, I was in Scouts as a kid, so we did a lot of camping, and often it was strange campsites. Did you like, have to go in the dark? Because my thought all the time watching this is, what kind of bullshit camp makes a child walk alone in the dark? Well, they don't always make you, um, but you might have to and be like, well, I'm going to have to, like, maybe you wake up in the middle of the night and have to go to the bathroom. You can't go in your tent. Um, so they maybe... were in cabins. Well, that's also... you can't go. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes there are no bathrooms in the cabins. It depends on the kind of campsite. Sometimes the there's like a portalette or something down the way that you have to go down. Like there's there's a, there's a thousand reasons. This is that, why I don't that, go camping. This is. <laughs> I don't want to leave my <laughs> space be... to pee. I'm not peeing outside. Number one and number two. <laughs> That's a potty joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 public public bathrooms that they have on those mm-hmm, sides are mm-hmm. always always covered with daddy long legs, and that's scarier to me than any ghost. 
That's true. That's true. I mean, I say that now. I'm not like challenging any spirits. Just let me be clear. But I hated that. Like you sat down and you never knew where that daddy long leg was going to come crawling. Or there would be just totally everywhere and you just have to risk it. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) You would be a terrible on a camping trip. We oh, are yeah. never going camping together. No, we're not. I, Because <laughs> I'm the type of guy, if you were listening to the previous episode, I'm the type of guy that would go into the forest to see, what's that weird screaming noise that sounds like it could kill me? Yeah, and if you um, listen to that, I'm the kind yeah. of person who's like, that sounds like a her problem. Yeah, there would just be a, <laughs> there was already a Jamie-shaped cloud in the cabin. <laughs> right, I wasn't She's leaving. Gone. I wasn't sleeping outside. I was sleeping inside. Um, Actually, I was never going because I, I was like, cabin in the woods. <laughs> Hell no. You know what I think I'm going is, to church. No, I, what sorry. I think is interesting, sorry to kind, of, <laughs> to kind of put us back on track, I think what's interesting about Matthew's story and about several others um, is how often, it's actually pretty rare to see a ghost. Uh, mm-hmm. From what I understand, it's kind of considered the holy grail of paranormal experiences because of full, what they call a full-bodied apparition is fairly rare. But you either it's either sound uh, indicate, they indicate their presence via sound, footsteps, or, uh, you know, a dragging, you know, limp. Like, that's uh, really the image of, of the, the limp and the dragging on the gravel was really just, ooh, it struck me. But also that he just kind of saw something out of the corner of his eye. And I wonder if he'd have looked straight on if it would have disappeared. Like, ghosts only seem to exist or to manifest, rather, kind of in on the fringes of our awareness. I you relate know. to the part of him that was like, fuck that. I'm going home. And I relate the part <laughs> of him that's like, I have a, I have a light and I have a knife, so I'm prepared for anything but a ghost. <laughs> right. I can do um, anything. But, but there's, you know, there's a part of you that you has to, have to know. I'm the kind of guy, we, if we were sitting downstairs right now and we heard something above us when we knew no one else was in the house, I would have to go and look. I would have to. Okay, I do that in my house. Yeah. I would do, I think I would do that anywhere if, as long as I thought... Well, as long as I had reason to believe it couldn't be a person. For someone who I'm knows more threatened everything. by a person than, than a ghost. For someone who knows everything, you are a fool. I am I am a fool. Yeah, you're going to die first in the horror movie. That's how, yeah. I am definitely the right. first guy to go in a horror movie. Yeah, not me. But, yeah. So, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that story? Well, uh, it's it's there's this other fear, though, I think we all hear about, is that fear of the unknown. Back to the forest. What's mm-hmm. in, you don't know what's in the forest. It's big. It, there could be, you know, Sasquatch out there. We don't know. Anything could be out there. So I'm not saying I believe in Bigfoot. I'm just saying it could be out there. We don't know what's out there. And so it, it you already have this fear of real things yeah. coming to you. Yes. Uh, so it is interesting that your brain has a tendency to be more afraid of the things that are probably not going to hurt you. Or that at least sound familiar. I mean, you know, right. if you hear footsteps on a gravel path in the middle of the night, it's weird, but it's not a bear. Right, but you it, know, it's I not feel a... like there must have been something, and, you know, Matthew, you'll have to let us know this, but there must have been something about the sound that made him feel like he had to go check. Because you're in a cabin with a bunch of other guys, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What makes you feel the need to go see what it is? Because right? it's, it's night. It's an odd sound. I mean, in the forest... But I mean, if you genuinely you thought of... that this is possibly someone that's, you know, going to hurt you... Yeah. You would wake everybody else up, wouldn't you? 
Well, but so there you know, must have been but this. That's, but that's the thing. I mean, you bring up a good point, but that's the thing. When when you don't know what it is, you want to check it out first before you alarm everybody else because that's how that's how unfortunate things can happen. You know, maybe it was just it could have been that that you know he roused everyone and they all come charging out of the cabin thinking right. that there's an axe murderer dragging along the path outside and in fact it's just somebody were there no windows matthew let us know were there windows in this cabin they may not have been facing the path there a lot of cat it depends or they might have had mosquito netting over them if it was dark or, what goods, and if it's dark as hell what good's a window gonna do or and you know i love you matthew or matthew's also going to be the first person to die in a horror movie well, I suppose, I mean, no offense, Matthew, but better you than everyone else in the cabin. <laughs> and that's why someone has to go out there first. That's just, that's proper There always proper has to be form. the first person to die. Plus, it's, you know, it, it's, and that, <laughs> that kind of, you talked about, like, the sounds you hear out in the forest. I think if you're, you know, if you think you're alone, uh, for the most part, alone out in the woods, the freakiest thing to hear is something that sounds human because you don't expect it. What right. the hell else? You know, you're like, you already think, well, I'm what other crazy bastard is out here? Like, I thought I was alone. That's weird, you know? Right. If you it's hear unexpected. like, if you hear like a branch break or something, it could be any number of animals. But if you hear, you know, a, you know footsteps, a dragging footsteps, you know, that's a distinctly human sound, I would think, you know. But and, to be fair, his, his experience on the path... Mm -hmm was not hearing. He felt a hand on the back of he his motherfucking neck. The yes. No, uh, thank you. I would have noped out of there too. Well, right but you're now. camping. Where are you going to go? I mean, to the cabin. You go, you're going inside. Yeah, yeah. So, but I would have run away from it for sure. Can you oh. imagine? Someone just saw know. his neck. You know what? If something I something and was like, I'm gonna, I need to touch that. I don't know. I think yeah. if I was, if I had, if something touched me in the dark, and it, I, I've had this happen before. I, Do my tell, first, I, I will, I will. <laughs> Maybe not. I can't decide if that's the story I want to tell today of my own, mm. or or whether I say that for another podcast because it's a, it's a, it's a what we like to call a humdinger. A doozy? A doozy. Oh, my. But um, there's a thing, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just how we react differently. But if if I'm scared, if something touches me and there's nothing there, like, I don't want to overreact because I don't necessarily want to show whatever it may be that I'm afraid. Right. Because some part of me feels like, well, that maybe they're looking for fear. Maybe fear is what will trigger them to do whatever else they're going to do. Like, right. kill me. So I'm just going to pretend like it's like when you see a stray dog. And, you know, if you react to the dog, they react back and it becomes mm. this sort of negative like feedback. Like as a woman, loop. if you get catcalled, you can't acknowledge the catcall. Yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess it's very similar You've to You've got to keep going. It's, uh, yeah, you just have to kind of pretend like it, I mean, that's a that's a very common instinct. So I, I get that. That story is totally real to that's me. How I would have, that's how I would have reacted. I react, I would have reacted, I believe, like a catcaller. Like a ghost that is trying to get my attention. I'm not here for you. I don't need to acknowledge you. I'm I, just going to ignore you and hope that you, like that construction worker, goes away. Or, or, because it's you, you would just... Hashtag not all construction workers. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... <laughs> but you just, you know, you, you certainly, you know, I think it's either that or you would shout at the top of your lungs, I wish a motherfucker would. Like, that's that it's one of those before. two extremes. I've that has happened that, before. Yeah. Not to a ghost. No. That we know of. 
It's true. Um, but thankfully, it seemed to work. Yeah. So I guess you have to go one. You have to choose an extreme when you're in that situation. You either have to mm-hmm. pretend it's not there and choose that extreme, or the other extreme, which is just we're pretend like whatever it is is going to kill you and act like right. it's fight or flight. I yeah, think, you yeah. either fight back or you piss yourself. Those are your options. And it's weird. We're human beings. We like to kind of go middle of the road. We don't want to like. Well, I don't want to react. I don't want to react, but I want to be scared. But not, and it's weird. It's weird. society tells me to be nice. But that's but that's interesting about <laughs> society. Well, it's but guys are really that. What was a something I read not long ago guys are more afraid of losing status than of being physically harmed really yeah it is I think I read somewhere and this may be terribly sexist and so I don't know like what the credentials are on this study hashtag not all construction workers (laughs) but um, the study I read said that the majority of of women um, feared you know being hurt physically hurt in in an altercation if something were to happen whereas men feared i mean they they didn't want to be physically hurt but their priority their their first fear was of losing status so a guy and i and i can relate to that because it's why guys will never ask for directions if they're lost you know and the you know the woman you know the 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 cliched image of a guy and a girl in a car together and the the woman is like just stop and ask for directions she's fine with it but the guy is like no i can't i don't i can't i can't i know everything i don't want to look like i don't know where i'm going that's that's you know i lose status that way so it's really weird so guys respond to fear differently i could understand the impulse to just like no i'm gonna pretend like nothing is wrong and we'll just get back to the cabin and then i will pee my pants in private (laughs) which i think is fair Mm -hmm. sort Mm -hmm. of sort of you know the other thing that struck me about the story is the cat how ter- I like that little detail. How everybody must have been so scared of this cat, and it's just hanging out being a cat. Just being a cat, but, with its um, glowing eyes. But that uh, actually takes us to our next story. So this next story comes to us from Selena, and it's actually two stories, but they are interrelated, and I really like them, and they go, I find, really well with uh, Matthew's story uh, and his encounter on the path out in, in nature. Self-styled amateur ghost hunters, my friend and I scared ourselves silly many a night canvassing cemeteries, abandoned buildings, and reputedly haunted houses in search of the paranormal. On this particular evening, we decided to explore an old convent nestled in the canyon near our home. Of the hair-raising apparitions said to wander this long-deserted structure, a nun in the company of two red-eyed Dobermans was, we were told, one to watch out for. We'd been picking around outside the building for some time, looking for a way in that wouldn't involve breaking a window or kicking in a door, when the sound of dogs barking in the distance raised our hackles. Mind you, this was February in northern Utah. None of the nearby campsites were in use. And from the sound, these were large dogs, not coyotes. We did our best to ignore the anomaly, but as we continued our search, the barking drew closer and closer, and the air began to feel wrong. No sooner had we decided to leave than the unsettling noise issued from directly behind the convent, mere yards from where we stood. My friend and I would agree later that a strange, heavy presence felt somehow to accompany the sound, though we couldn't identify it. None too eager to encounter strange dogs in the woods, or whatever was with them, supernatural or otherwise, we made for our car and drove away as quickly as possible. En route back home, we laughed at ourselves for being scared and felt a certain rational explanation would present itself before long. Once home, however, a detail we hadn't noticed in our haste to leave jolted us as we emerged from the vehicle. A handprint on the back passenger window, the fingers splayed out as though someone had clawed at the car 
while we pulled away. My best friend's college dorm stood next to a cemetery. This being a small town without much in the way of recreation, long meandering walks were a common pastime among students. Naturally, our rambles often found us passing through the cemetery on the way back to my friend's dorm. Despite some of the graves being over a century old and predictably crooked or moss-eaten, lending the hallowed ground a kind of classic B-horror movie air, as far as anyone knew, no ghost stories were attached to this place, so we thought nothing of dallying there after dark. One night, however, as we ambled our way through the headstones, talking about life and college and who knows what else, I glanced absently down the path and stopped my friend dead in his tracks. Are my eyes messing with me, or can you see that? I said. Not far out ahead of us, in the oldest part of the cemetery, a swarm of shadows twisted in the broken glow of several nearby streetlights. The shapes were human, but hunched over, crawling as if on all fours, it may have been three people, it may have been five, I couldn't quite tell. Just as my friend began to describe what I was seeing, the shadows scuttled directly toward us, darting between the headstones in quick, jagged motions. At the same moment, the street lights went out. Thankfully, we knew the path well enough to make for the outer fence and run full tilt to the dorm without looking back. We never walked through that cemetery again. Thank you for my nightmares tonight, Selena. Well, just don't walk through a cemetery. You'll be fine. I feel like I don't do that anyway. I like, used that's to. That's not really my jam. Have you ever walked through a cemetery? Just like period? Yeah. I mean, at night. No! Never? Never at night? No! How are you so into ghost stories and you've never been into a cemetery after dark? Because Jamie. I listen to ghost stories. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> are you kidding? I, wow. My fate. Night and day. Let me tempt I... you. I just, yeah, I I grew up near a cemetery, a really old one, too. Parts of it really old. It sounds kind of like this. And there were lights in parts of it, you know. I grew up next to a cow pasture, so maybe that's the difference. I wouldn't go, now I wouldn't go through a cow pasture at night, because who knows what you're going to step in. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, we used to, we used to, we used to go Halloweens. We used to go out to to the cemetery, because the cemetery I grew up in had had a ghost, supposedly. Mm. And, uh, because it was a cemetery. Because it was and a cemetery. And that's what they have. It's funny. Why would? It, but when you think about it, why would a cemetery have ghosts? I know of I people feel the same anyway. Way. You know, like because how, like how no one dies have... in a cemetery necessarily. Mostly. I mean, mostly. I don't. I've never heard of anyone. I'm sure someone somewhere has died in a cemetery. But I feel like most people. That's Hashtag where you go after you cemeteries. <laughs> I mean, there's just a gloom attached to the place, of right. course, because it's a bunch of dead people. But and we well, kind of saved them for there, one part of town. There's a lot of sad energy, yeah. you know, things like that, loss, you know, pain, things like that yeah. that that happen there that I think are known to to pull. But you know, you think, how are you going to haunt your house if you're busy haunting a cemetery? Like, what you're just going to? Well, it's weird too. It's like know, haunting a cemetery. There's got to be a lot of competition. If there, if there's, if the thing, like, I, I mean, haunting cemeteries is so late eighteen hundreds. Uh, <laughs> but like, you think too though. Um, with that, do you go to cemeteries a lot? I used to as when I was a well, kid. I mean, my my with mother your family. Do you go like where your family uh, is buried and do flowers and do that whole thing like, not, regularly? Not, not, not as regularly as I, I probably either. should. I don't either, and so we don't. We don't go visit the graves. For us, you know, we believe that they're around us all the time, and the grave is not where their body, yeah. you know, it's just where their body is. It's not where their soul and their spirit is. And so right. it's just a landing space for their physical form. Yeah. But I know that not everybody 
does that. A lot of people still go to the cemeteries yeah. regularly and visit the graves, mm-hmm. do upkeep on the graves, mm-hmm. make sure that they're, you know, keeping them, you know, gardening or, or you know, whatnot. Uh, whereas, you know, with my family, it's Memorial Day or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not regular. And that's only now if we're in town, so... It's interesting, like different cultures. I mean, we... um, It's just not as common, I think, today as it used to be. Well, in older... And it was the the importance of the remains um, cannot be overstated in in older uh, Protestant faiths because it wasn't that you had necessarily... I mean, in older versions of the faith, and again, I'm no expert, but it wasn't that you were that your soul went on to heaven it's that we were waiting in the ground mm-hmm. for the second coming and then right. and then your body would reunite and would wake up and you know then jesus would call all the dead home so it was the cemetery was a waiting ground for all that energy you know it wasn't like oh that's just their remains but their souls it, it kind of evolved the belief that just got a little too depressing everyone was like nah, i want to believe that they're already up in heaven having a good time that their body's just down here right you know and and you know so it that just it kind of so the the belief kind of split and so now um for for many protestants of, of whatever faith it's just thought that you know it's just kind of where you go it's tradition mm-hmm. to have tradition know, tradition <laughs> but in the same cemetery where where much of my family is buried there are people of other faiths that believe in going every week and they will leave food mm-hmm. and offerings uh next to the headstone which i find rather sweet it I, is, I, yeah. I find touching but in this instance like someone walking through a graveyard at night there's something about just culturally across all cultures there's something about being among the remains of the dead at night that puts you at risk. There's just yeah. that has been a fear of mankind's forever. And something about like, well, if it gets during the day, I can see it's just a bunch of headstones. But at night, you're in the dark, and you know maybe that's a shadow of a headstone. Maybe that's a person. Maybe that's a ghost. Can you imagine walking through that path? Well, and it's all of the all things. things. It's the unknown, right? Like we were saying with the forest, it's the unknown. What's out there? But it's it's not only what's known because it's the dark. So what else could be out there? But also death. What's the other side? And is that other side here with me right now? That's true. So it's it's many layers of 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 not knowing, need yeah. wanting answers and being curious and then you go and then, then you're stupid. Don't do it. But it makes you it makes I know it you want to get like me to just, go. I don't think I can do it. Well, I mean, after reading that story, I'm not sure I'd want to go anymore either. <laughs> I never had something quite so dramatic. But it, what's interesting to me about that story is this was a perfectly normal thing to just be... It was. I mean, and I, that I totally get. Mm-hmm. Just kind of walk through the cemetery because it was a shortcut to the dorm. But never the fact that it was just years. never... But it was like, you know, I mean, yes, no, never in a million years. But for not most me. people, like, if it's just, oh, that's just how it is. And once you've done it a few times and nothing weird happens, okay, it's just like there were no stories attached to this place. And suddenly one night they're going through and this thing happens now granted there are many things that could have been um that is a horrifying image too it really really is and but i'm going to just throw this out here as a possible interpretation it could be that i mean it could be that these were creatures uh, you know stealing them on the graves or whatever which is kind of horrifying what creature would do that you know what I, i who knows and why if it's the dead why are they you know why why in a cemetery why would you be there who knows but um 
But it could be that, you know, they're that age where they're in college where maybe they're they're coming to terms with their own mortality in that time in their life, which is something that often happens when you're late teens, mm-hmm. early twenties. And maybe this was the uh, their unconscious. I mean, mind you, they're both seeing it, so it's kind of this is that's kind of an argument against this interpretation. But they were both seeing this kind of idea that like this perfectly innocuous thing to them, a cemetery, which held no magic, no mystery whatsoever, because they were fine with walking through it in the dead of night, suddenly becomes a very ominous, dangerous place in the course of just a single visit. Perhaps in that moment, both of them had the same synapsis click that says, you're grown up now and this is stupid. This is why, here. You're grown up now and then rucking through a cemetery is dumb. Grow up, kids. Yeah. Like, YOLO is bullshit. Right. <laughs> YOLO is the reason you shouldn't be doing what you're about to do. Exactly. YOLO is this how you want it to end. <laughs> now, now, what about now? What about the nun story? Oh, the, the nun story. story. I, love I love that story. Yeah, that's yes. a great story With because I want to know more about the nun. Why the nun? Why why the Dobermans? Like, what's that story? Know. And but I love that they're all they're on patrol. They're doing their job. Yeah, what that's what, what they're supposed to do. It's an abandoned convent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Selena used the word nunnery, which I really really like. But, mm-hmm. but I don't, get thee to a nunnery. Get thee to a nunnery. Ah, yeah. Another Shakespeare quote from mm-hmm. Hamlet. From Hamlet. A callback to the first episode. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but what's like what's what is what is the ghost of a nun doing with like you know hellhounds? Yeah. <laughs> this is what they sound but like are, to me. But, but Red-eyed Dobermans. I mean, I don't know, but but that certainly they don't seem friendly. Right. Um, now maybe Dobermans. The, of maybe course, the light just hits them funny in their eyes and it reflects back red. You know how it happens. A little bit of history, does. actually. Did you know? And this may play into our interpretation of the story. But Dobermans, actually, the bigger ones, came second. They were bred from men pens. Yeah. Um, were the first. They were the first. The OG. The OG. And then there was a tax collector in Germany that wanted to breed a dog. Because, I mean, this was back in, like, you know, Middle Ages. Probably not Middle Ages. Probably sooner than that. But but back in the day. Right. Um, when, you know, it was presumably much easier to kill someone and get away with it. So, and being a tax collector, a lot of people probably would have preferred to kill this guy. So he bred these large and imposing, weird-looking, demon-like dogs to make him to make him more intimidating and people less likely to attack him when he showed up, you know, oh. to collect gold or their taxes. So it's interesting that maybe, in, in keeping with that theme, it could be that... This nun, this ghost, this nun, she's a collector, that she's right. there to collect something. And if you come to the convent unwelcome, you know, maybe she's there to collect your soul, to collect your debt, to, you know. Oh. That was a real dog barking. That was a really, what a great, what a, please leave that in. I'm going to, that was a real dog barking. Um, yeah, I believe she was collecting your tithe. <laughs> right. Ooh, yes, That's collecting the tithe. Yeah, that's Ooh. creepy. It's a, great, it's a great image. And the fact that they were... Kudos to you guys, Selena, for wanting to explore the place and not wanting to like break a window or vandalize it yeah. to get in. Kudos to you. For those of you that do explore abandoned buildings, I don't recommend it. But if you're going to do it, terrible. at I least be respectful of the place. So, oh, good stories, good stories. Thank you so much for that submission. Those images yes. will not soon leave us. Oh, I had creatures. titled it. I had titled Creepy Creatures. Which is great. Thank like you. The next one mm. I've titled The Farmhouse Ghost. More, more. It sounds like more creatures. Are yeah. there more creatures? Well, we have to listen and see. Okay, I will. So this is... Let me just grab a sip of my Moscow Mule. Cheers. Cheers. Those are copper cups, boys and girls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only way to drink a mule. That's right. I mean, drink it however you want it. It's your mule. Farmhouse Ghost 
by Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. I'm from the southern coastal area of the U.S. and was in high school during the time all this took place. I was dating my now ex-husband, and he had just moved with his family to a more rural area, on a farm, actually. This farm had previously been owned by a bar owner who died there 20 years earlier. Apparently, the guy had been out at the barn taking care of some things when someone came up, shot, and murdered him. No one ever told me whether or not they caught his killer. So that's a little backstory to this place. My boyfriend always told me about weird stuff that would happen, like faucets turning on, weird noises, stuff getting moved around, seeing shadows that didn't belong to anything or anyone. I always thought there were logical explanations, until I experienced it for myself. We had stopped by his house on our way to the store. He had to pick something up before we left, and I was sitting in the den with the family dog. He went to the back part of the house and was gone about five minutes or so when I heard heavy walking in the hall behind me. It sounded like steel-toed boots, but he wasn't wearing boots. He was wearing tennis shoes. The dog didn't respond to this by wagging her tail and getting excited as normal, either. Her hackles were up, and she started growling a very low, guttural growl. I was scared someone had broken into the house because, like I said before, we were the only ones there. I was terrified, so I ducked down and tried to keep out of sight on the couch. The dog didn't budge. I listened to the footsteps make their way to the kitchen before coming to a stop. That's when I started to hear the shuffling sound, then a clinking noise, and then more shuffling. I decided to walk into the kitchen with the dog, just to see if maybe somebody might have been at home and we just didn't notice. When I turned the corner to go in, all the noises stopped. I looked around the room, but there wasn't anyone there. I saw a plate with a fork on it, which explained the clinking noise. My boyfriend finally came back from the other end of the house, ready to go run his errands, but I told him what I'd heard. He said that had happened a lot recently, especially when there were only one or two people in the house. I've experienced things I couldn't explain plenty of times, but nothing scared me like this. When I heard those boots, I can't put into words just how terrified I was. And then with the reaction of the dog, it just intensified. As the years have passed, the only explanation I can come up with is that it had to have been the bar owner. Maybe he was just letting everyone know he was still there. Maybe he wanted them to know it was still his. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Love a moment experience, you know. That, And if you heard anything in the background, my old blind dog, Leela, is Leela. normally very, very quiet and chill. She's kind of agitated today for some reason. She's right now. She's rolling on the ground and she snorting like these and stories. She's, or she's she liked them. Or she really know. likes them. I she's like, know. I know what it was. Yeah. I know the Dobermans. That's really, and it, it kind of, you know, keeping with the theme of, of the episode title. You know, that's a ghost that it doesn't have anything to do with you. It's just, this is my place. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. And this is, well, you know, who knows what, what that ghost's mission or point or ultimately how long they'll have to do that uh, before they can move on. And it but was it's, just her glimpse of an experience that other people were having regularly. Yeah, yeah. She just got a little glimpse of what they were having uh, and then could leave 
What if you couldn't leave yeah, that situation? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's if you're going to experience a ghost story, it's far better to just see a piece of a much larger story than to be the focal point of one. Mm-hmm. Like, that some in some of the stories we've read where people seem to be, you know, they're followed around, like, they're haunted. Right. Rather than just having to find themselves briefly in a haunted situation right. or scenario. But, yeah, but I love that because it gives, it just, it, it's like we were just given a brief portal into a much bigger story. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, who knows if they ever caught the, the bartender's or the bar owner's murderer. And maybe he, in traditional ghost story uh, style, he can't rest until his murderer is caught. But like, what can you do? Right. When maybe he ghost, just wanted a Sammy. Do? We don't know. I mean, it could, and it could just be a replay of him just doing an everyday thing. Yeah. You know, it's just... Uh, just uh, weirdly captured in the environment and replayed when the right person is sitting there at the right time yeah that's spooky though but i do i love those moments where it's just like oh i didn't know what this was and i just heard something you know it's not a it's not an epic story by any means it's just that one brief kind of glimpse into the other world that some people have it's great it was it's a great story thank you so much for sending it in yeah now it's time for your story. Oh, my story. I got to come up with one of my personal. I have a lot of personal stories. Don't when you I? say come up, it seems like you're saying make it up. No, I mean, I, I'm not making it up as far as you know. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I don't. I, Our stories are real stories. They actually happen to us. Yeah, and I wish I'd made it up some of these because some of them are pretty terrifying. But I think, let's see, in, in, in keeping with today's theme, I think I'll tell... Uh, just a bunch of little stories that happened in the house I grew up in. So I, and feel free to jump in and ask questions because sometimes, sometimes it's hard when you're in the midst of telling a story, um, from the hip, you, you just, you take certain things for granted that may strike the listener as what the hell? What? Wait, go back. So, uh, I grew up in a house that was actually built when I was two. So it was a new house. My parents still live in this house. And as, uh, as far as I know, nothing unusual happens there anymore. But um, but when they had it built, it was in the middle of nowhere. It was well. It was in the middle of a little country suburb that was in the middle of nowhere. But it's not like the house was isolated. Right. You know, there we lived on a street, and you know the the neighborhood was isolated. But you know, there were other houses around that were older. There's nothing that no obvious answer for why there would be a haunting there. Right. Um, and and what's odd is but that it was, it wasn't like they had a house built in a large metropolitan area that had probably had other major things on there before. Right. It was right. the country, they were moving right. out, you know, this is, now that area is huge mm-hmm. and it's is very, very developed. But at the time, no, you're right, it's probably, this was as, you know, uh, as far as the record is concerned, this was the first time anyone had ever built a home on that property. On that property. Oh my God. Barring, you I know, I can only maybe... imagine what their resale value is. Ugh. I bet it's going to be, it's amazing. It's got to be, sorry, I just, I <laughs> so, and the house, you know, was fine. There was I'm nothing, haunted by it's not a, debt. it's not, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a terrifying story. Anyway, so I grew up in this house and uh, when I was in my teens, uh, a little earlier, let, let's say, you know, tweens and teens is when most of the stories took place. I would notice just weird things happening, and uh, among them, I, the, the first thing I noticed was I, I was a latchkey kid, so I was there by myself a lot. High five! High five! If you don't know what a latchkey is, a latchkey kid is, Google it. Uh, with the safety mode on, please. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's... Basically, our parents were not home when we got home from school, so we just were, we just had keys and we would go into our houses at a pretty young age. 
by ourselves yeah. and just you know yeah. make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches mm-hmm. and keep mm-hmm. ourselves occupied till our parents got home. So I was I was by myself at home a lot, um, you know, during the day uh, after school because you know my parents wouldn't get home until about six or seven at night, and and my brother by this time would have been off to college because there's quite a bit of age difference between the two of us. So I was there by myself, and that's when weird things would happen and. Uh, I would hear people talking. I would hear uh, people talking in other rooms and think like the television was on. So we had a television in, my parents had a television in their room. There was a big television in the den uh, and radios and stuff. And so I would think, well, who's who's got something on? There would never never be any immediate explanation for for why I would hear voices. Uh, And sometimes, uh, a few times I was there at night by myself, like when I was, you know, home alone, when my parents were, say, out at a function or something. And I would, it was night always when I would hear my name being called, which weird that I put that in a story that I say like none of these hauntings seemed very personal, but it wasn't because it happened to other people too. They would hear their names being called, so it was just like whatever was there would kind of figure out your name and use it to get your attention. But then Did there was it... never ever a reason. It would never lead to anywhere. There was, was never. Was it a voice you recognized? No, it was a, it was a whisper shout. It was like let's say you're sitting here by yourself in this room, knowing that you're alone, and you just hear. Jane! Not cool. Yeah. No, it was always terrifying. Yeah. Um, it was always terrifying. It was like it was like someone slamming a door suddenly, you know, which uh, that also happened a few times. Incidentally, a door would slam. Um, things would move, but we'd never see them move. We would just realize that, okay, that wasn't there a second ago. I just turned my back, and now that cup is on the other end of the table where it wasn't, and I didn't hear it move. I never saw anything there, but... My mother, who's pretty deeply skeptical about these kind of things, she's a religious woman, and so she doesn't believe in ghosts because it doesn't really dovetail with her view of her religion. And well, ghosts aren't very polite either. Uh, well, <laughs> well, and certainly not this one, because and my mother has a funny way of telling her stories because she doesn't like she doesn't want anyone to think she's crazy. Um, she's very proper and she's, she's very polite. Very proper, very polite, very very much a you know a, a southern lady. Yes, and. Um, she doesn't want anyone to think she's crazy and she doesn't want to burden anyone with a story that might make them uncomfortable or scare them so she just doesn't tell them and you have to drag it out of her and I remember one night uh, she and I were there by myself when my dad was traveling and I heard her scream bloody murder from her closet she had this big walk-in closet and she was a genealogist um and uh, so she had a huge filing cabinet in the back of this closet that she'd work on and like look through files and stuff and make notes. So she'd just sit back there in a little chair, you know, amidst all her clothes and just be like going through this this filing cabinet. And so I ran it because I, I could hear it muffled, it, but it had to have been loud for her to come, for it to come through because this closet was kind of dead center of the house. And so I ran in there and, and she acted like, oh no, it was nothing, I nothing, nothing was wrong, nothing. I just thought I saw something, but I was just, my imagination. And, of course, that wasn't enough for me. I was like, what? You screamed. You're not... You... What the hell? And, um, you know, after calmly chastising me for my language, she was like, well, I just thought I saw... I thought it probably was you. And I'm like, no, I just, I'm just now here. That wasn't me. And 20 years later, I finally brought it up again, and the story had developed. She was more comfortable with giving me more detail, and so she straight up saw someone. She said it looked like a woman. She said it was... It happened so quickly that all she remembers is a flash of pink, like a, a robe, like a floral pink robe, and uh, light blonde hair. And whoever it was, or whatever it was, just ran into the closet at her um, and disappeared 
before they ran into her. Did she recognize a face? Or no, she said she, she couldn't. It, they were moving too fast, and it was too shocking and too out of place for her to really grok onto any particular detail, except the, just what she could remember of a pink blonde looked like a woman, uh, but and was just moving really fast, and there was no sound. So there was no sound. Scared the hell out of her. I bet. Uh, on another occasion, she saw a man. Uh, it reflected in the television, which was off. She was, she was. I was in my room, probably reading or, or playing a game or something, and she was reading a book on the couch. And we had a massive television set, and it was my father's pride and joy. <laughs> it's ma- I mean, it was huge. It was like the biggest television you could get at the time. And was it a flat screen, or was it was it this long before, before flat, flat screens? Screen. This was, yeah. this was, this was. So those uh, were very reflective. Those TVs were very. They were. They were. In fact, know. and so it was like having just kind of a. And by giant TV, it was probably. 50 inches. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago. It was huge. It was cutting edge. But, it probably weighed 300 pounds. But the, oh, easily. I mean, they had to, <laughs> it took three people to get it in the house. Yeah. And I remember when my dad first turned it on, uh, there was a car commercial on it. It looked like there was a fucking car in our living room. Right. Uh, it's just how big the television was relative to anything we'd ever had before. And so, but it was like, you know, when it was off, it was like having just a tinted mirror. It, you know, th- that's how reflective those screens were. And my mother, um, I was in my room and I heard my mother go, Michael, Michael, what, what are you doing? Like bitching at me. And I was just, what, what? And she, then she became aware of how far away I was from her and thought, what are you, what are you doing? And so I came in to see what the hell was all the fuss, all the fuss was about. And, uh, it took, and again, I had to drag it out of her kicking and screaming. She said, it's, I just, I thought I saw you standing in the hallway reflected on the television and I just wondered why you were standing there it was weird I was like I wasn't standing there she's like well I thought you looked rather tall um, and, <laughs> you are tall and, well but not this was when I was a kid this oh. was before I shot up so this was you know, she, she saw and later as I got more detail out of her again as an adult I kind of revisited all these stories I'm like what was that about what was that about and she mm-hmm. kind of is more comfortable to give details and she said no it was definitely a man it was a tall like six foot or taller and I was definitely not six feet when I was a teenager um, there's six foot or taller guy with very broad shoulders and she just she couldn't make out any features it was just a dark shape of a man it was kind of looming in the door that led to the hallway which you know where the where our bedrooms were and that she could see it perfectly reflect in the TV and of course where she was sitting on the couch that person would have been out of her eyesight except in the reflection so she saw that she heard noises as well now, when I say this, it, like the house itself, and as I'm telling the story, I suddenly think I know what it might have been. So my mother was a genealogist, as I mentioned earlier. She uh, she's actually responsible for earning a historical landmark for a cemetery in East Texas, where there are a lot of people that are buried who were either in the Revolutionary War or in the Civil War or things of that nature. I love the idea of your mother being in all these cemeteries that are haunted, seeing yes. things and being like. Well, oh no, that's fine. It's you asked fine. earlier if I've been to a lot of cemeteries, and I have because, because my mother visited them all the time as a genealogist to like locate final resting places of people. It was long before the internet, so you'd have to go and many how many times she'll tell you she would track records down of a family uh, only to find that you know some courthouse where all the records were kept had burned down in eighteen something or other, and so those records are just gone. So she had to do a lot of legwork, and that right. involved going to cemeteries. She would take rubbings of of old moss-eaten headstones to try to see if she could get the name because she'd have to prove that this is who that was and so she spent uh, several summers mapping out and and uh, repairing a lot of damaged headstones in this one cemetery that she went on to earn 
a historical marker for. Wow. And, because uh, that was her hobby, that was her big passion. And so she brought tombstones home, by permission, oh. to try to clean them. By permission of to... somebody who the tombstone was not no, there no, no. for. Yeah, well, by permission, yeah, by permission of, of you know, the, the, the church or the whoever, the groundskeeper, like, or whatever, permission. She wouldn't just, like, take it home and throw it in the back of the car. Like, you'd have to go through a process to get home. Right, but she didn't get home. permission of the family, specifically. No, because we wouldn't know who the families were. That right. was the whole point of bringing the headstones home, or to find out the what the name was. Or perhaps whose gravestone it was. Exactly. So I think maybe uh, for a time we had these hauntings go on for a few years because that's when my mother was most active in her uh, you know travels. cemetery travels and so she would bring home things with her perhaps or maybe she would just tread on dirt and not clean her shoes and bring it home that's sometimes said to attract things I know you have a story we'll get to at some I point later know. podcast involving that very concept so we seem to have a lot of weird things go on in the house and I used to play piano in that house too for a little while when I moved back in after college I came back home after college uh, just briefly for about a year or so I lived with my parents and uh, I used to um, play on the piano and when I did I would feel a presence like hovering you know like watching me and like just kind of not not it's hard to describe you know I wouldn't hear anything or feel physically anything but I would just get this sense of being Something's watched watching you. and and it would always feel and like then you were, were like I must me. perform Naturally, that was my instinct. And I would always feel them uh, watching me from the the door to the hall, where the bedrooms were. Oh. Same place my mother had seen the guy. What and about your father? What did he... Never. If my father has... If my father... My father is such a dyed-in-the-wool atheist slash skeptic that if anything ever did happen to him, he would refuse to believe it just because right. it didn't fit with his worldview. And he's had... I'm sure my dad has had some, some stories, but he's always like, well, he always downplays them. So my dad has never... And my dad's traveled all over the world, so, right. I mean, you know, you'd think the, the, the odds of him encountering something weird are pretty good because he's been, I mean everywhere you name it he's been there but no nothing in that house just me and my mom my, my brother had a couple of experiences there too he would also hear the the whisper shouting and hear someone talking in the next room oh well there was one time when my mother and father um i heard them arguing in the kitchen and when i came in to see what they were arguing about because it was pretty heated uh the lazy susan on the kitchen table uh was spinning oh and the, uh, like, as though someone had just taken it and been rah, let, let it go, and then it was winding down. And the sugar bowl that we kept on top of there, among other things, had flown off and gone across the kitchen. It was one of those long ranch-style kitchens where, like, here's on one side you have the table and way on the other side is the sink and the cabinets and everything. And so this, this um, bowl of sugar had cleared the entire kitchen to land at their feet. My mom and dad were, were cooking or doing something at the sink. And this, you know, and the, uh, this, this lazy Susan had spun with enough force to just rocket this bowl of sugar. And of course the bowl was open. Right. Um, and, and there was just like, there was little like rings of like sugar trail all down the kitchen. And my mother was insistent that my father had done something. And what, what, what did you do? And I didn't do anything. I was standing right here. And that's kind of what they were arguing about. So that was a weird thing. So it was a physical thing. And it didn't seem to be, you know, I don't know what could be attached to that place because there right. it was not a place until we got there and no one died in that house no one has died in that house uh, yet yeah. um, what happens you know, a lot in our area of the United States 
is uh, there's a lot of assumption on Native American stuff, like perhaps yeah. there were Native Americans there before, because it's especially you know growing up in Oklahoma, there were Native Americans everywhere before. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a pretty common thing, and especially where I grew up, which we can talk about in another story. Yes. But uh, but it's interesting too that the 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 costuming of the woman, the woman, the clothes that she was wearing seemed to be Pink common and floral. That's that's um, pretty modern. Yeah. But again, you also have to bear in mind that when the mind sees something it doesn't understand, it you know, that doesn't make sense to it, the mind's going to fill in blanks. Right. So it could be that my mother saw, um, you know, let's say theoretically she saw the ghost of a Native American shaman who was wearing like, you know, uh, some kind of floral patterned blanket or something and had mm -hmm. a headdress on and my mother had maybe had no frame of reference for what that looked like and so she made sense of it in terms of like oh well she was wearing a pink robe and she had blonde hair right. and that it was a she you know because it was so quick that her mind just kind of made a kind of identikit right, <laughs> on yeah. the fly so who knows what she saw or whether it was a woman or 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 you know the ghost of of uh, you know someone that lived in modern times or because who knows but that was the, what that was what was so fascinating about that haunting and that's the second time i've lived in a house where hauntings seemed to kind of come and go where it was almost like a like a grand central station for spirits or activity for a time for, for a time only for a time like i said that house has there been anything recently nothing there's been nothing not hmm. that i know of i asked my mom about it every now and again she's like no no and and they spend now that they're retired they spend more time at home than they ever have so you know, and they they don't report anything, and uh, yeah. So it's just it's odd how that you know again it's just like there's there's Creepy. a much larger story going on there that has nothing to do with us. And we have no answers that we were just kind of but witness if, to part of. Yeah. yeah. If you have questions for Michael or uh, either of us about anything that we've discussed today, we will be doing a podcast this Wednesday. I'm sorry, a live stream this Wednesday. Yes, on Twitch. live stream. You can find us at Ghoul Intentions, and that kind of wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, and thanks for the submissions. Uh, big shout out to our submitters. It was great, great stories. Thank you guys for listening to us, because we do like to ramble about this stuff. It's Putting kind of what we live for. Um, quick reminder, you can go to ghoulintentions.com for links to our social media sites, our blog, previous episodes, and more importantly, where you can submit your own personal supernatural experience for consideration to be interpreted and read on future episodes of the show. Uh, so now we come to the closing, which, of course, because I I decide the titles mm -hmm. um jamie gets to decide our sign off quote and i have to, i have to figure it out yes that's, you that's, have to that's guess the it. game okay I, I feel confident i botched it last episode let's see if i'm any better okay, okay. this time this is from a movie and okay. it's specifically from a movie in the 90s the 90s movie. to help you cheat a little bit I barely remember the 90s oh we love that's the 90s. that's not true <laughs> we love the 90s. okay you ready yeah my father would womanize. He would drink. He would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy. The sort of general malaise that only the genius possess in the insane lament. God, what a gorgeous quote. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I... Duh. That's the I, most rewarding moment of my life. I was like, I love it. I'm envious of whoever wrote that line. Um, Jesus, what the hell? I, okay, I have to. I'm just gonna. Okay, wait, wait. Say the last part oh, again. It is. 
<laughs> I really have no idea. And I uh, thought I I thought I knew '90s movies, um, but apparently I not as well as I thought. Uh, sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy, <laughs> the sort of general malaise that only the genius possess and the insane lament. Oh my God! Uh, I'm saying <laughs> I'm gonna, I really have no idea. I'm just gonna pull something out of my ass. For want of an answer, I'm going to say that came from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. No, um... Was that even a 90s movie? No, that's 80s. Damn it. Um, I think it's 80s. Um, this is a quote from the movie Austin Powers. (laughs) Damn it. It's Dr. Evil. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. I'm going to kick myself forever for not knowing that. Oh. I'm going to be haunted by that quote. Oh, there really is nothing like a shorn scrotum. It's breathtaking. I suggest you try it. 